Good morning, everybody. I've been really toiling over uh, what I want to speak on this morning and this evening, Lord willing. Um, pray that the, the Lord will guide and direct the uh, things that I have to say. But I've been doing a study in John chapter 9 and John chapter 10. And <clears throat> it's just an amazing uh, story or incident in the life of our Lord. Because it starts off in chapter 9 that we have a, a man who can't see, but he has faith. And then we have a group of men who can see, but they have no faith. What a contrast. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul speaks to those, the saints at Corinth, and he says, We walk by faith and not by sight. And that's so important in the life of a Christian. First of all, we read in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please him. We can't please God without faith. And here is a man, chapter 9, that we'll go through and then continue on into chapter 10, which is even a, a, just a tremendous uh, situation showing God, uh, Christ, his deity, and um, that he's the good shepherd. And this man had faith, like I said, before he could see. Now, the reason, if you were to go to, I think it's the state of Missouri. Is it Missouri that has the license plate that says uh, the show me state? Am I correct in that? Yeah. Um, Mike Atwood, who is from Missouri, uh, says it's the state of misery uh, instead of Missouri. But that's, I guess that's his opinion. But the thing is that people today want to walk by sight and not by faith. Here's a person that wants to get in, uh, go into the Lord's work full time. And what the way that they say, well, okay, yeah, you're supposed to walk by faith. We, we understand that. Okay, that's over here. But we want you to go around and drum up all kinds of support. We want you to get some guaranteed support. That way, when you go out on the mission field, you're not depending on the Lord. You're depending on those that said that they would support you. That's not the way the Lord works. The Lord wants us to walk by faith. Just a real quick story. Um, I don't know if any of you have read um, um, the Wallace Logan's uh, missionary book. It is fabulous. Uh, the Logan story. But even in, it's not in that book. It's, it, uh, this particular incident was uh, related by Bill McDonald. And then when Wallace Logan uh, was on furlough uh, from Africa, uh, he was, I guess, in the state of uh, New York, and he was uh, determined to go visit a, a dear elderly saint, uh, this lady. And uh, just the Lord really put it on his heart to go visit her. Well, at that time, he didn't have the money to take the train ride to go and visit her. And besides that, he called first, and uh, there was no response. The phone just rang, rang, rang. So he was... 
he would say, okay, well then, you know, the Lord's closing the door, I'll, I'll do something else. But the Lord kept it on his heart, kept putting it on his heart, go visit this lady, this dear saint, this elderly saint. Well, Wallace Logan walked by faith. And so he went to the railroad station without the money to buy a ticket. He got in line, and as the line got shorter and shorter and shorter, and finally, there was only one person between he and the counter, when uh, another uh, Christian came by and noticed him in line, he says, hey, Brother Logan, what are you doing? Well, I'm uh, going to go visit uh, some lady, uh, uh, a dear saint. He says, well, let me pay for your ticket, and he gives him the money for the ticket. Well, he gets the train, he, he goes to New Jersey, she was in New Jersey, had the address, went to the door, knocked on the door, nothing. He said, man, you know, is, is the Lord really lead me in this? And so he, he but the, 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 uh, his conscience was really strong, the Lord was really working on him to make sure that he met this lady. So he knocked harder, and the door was a little bit ajar, so he opened it, it opened up, and he, he listened, and he could hear a faint cry. So he goes in, and he discovers that this poor lady had fallen and had been laying there for almost three days, unable to summon anybody. And he was able to get the emergency services, and her life was saved. That's walking by faith. The Lord doesn't expect us to make sure that all of our ducks are in a row, that we got all the finances uh, accrued ahead of time before we make the decision to go. He wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. Let me illustrate that just real quickly. I have two pieces of paper here in my Bible. Now, if you know this illustration, keep it to yourself. Uh, I'm going to prove to you that you should never walk by sight, but by faith, okay? So, for those of you that are color-challenged, I guess that's the political term, uh, you know, you're colorblind, okay? All right, one paper is green and the other is red, okay? I'll give you that heads up first. Now, here they are. Now, with a show of hands, no calling out, How many feel that the green paper is larger than the red paper? Raise your hand if you think that. Okay, we got a couple people. How many, okay, then I'm assuming that the majority feel that the red paper is larger than the green. Raise your hand if you think the red is larger than the green. Okay, how many of you don't want to uh, raise your hand because you're afraid you'll be wrong? Okay, okay, there we go. That's, that's, we've got some honest people in here, okay? Okay. So, I mean, but just looking at it, doesn't it look like the green, this is green, by the way, is bigger than the red, okay? All right, now, wait, now it looks like the red is bigger than the green, agreed? But in reality, they're exactly the same size. Now, this is a really, this is a real simple illustration that our sight can fool us. And this is what we're going to get into today. How that we're not to walk by sight, but we're to walk by faith. So let's take a look. John chapter 9. 
Verse one, starting at verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from, his, from birth. And his disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, if you really think about that, that's really a strange question to ask. Because how did he sin before he was born that would cause him to be born blind? Did the, the baby die, uh, sin or did the parents sin? It doesn't make sense. And we're going to see later in the chapter <clears throat> another group of people that had the same uh, misconception. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And I want you to take note that he's not referring to it as miracles. And we'll talk about this later on, uh, maybe tonight, that he talks about them as works of God and not miracles. Now, other places that he does mention miracles, but the thing is, miracles do not necessarily guarantee deity. Okay? There are people that can perform miracles that are exactly opposite of deity. As we know in Revelation, the, uh, the, the uh, Antichrist and the false prophet, they're going to be performing all kinds of miracles. But that doesn't prove their deity. They're actually of the devil. And as you all remember back in uh, Exodus... Remember when Moses and Aaron came before Pharaoh and they, he threw down, Aaron threw down the rod and then the magicians threw down theirs and it turned into serpents also, even though Aaron's snake ate up the others. They performed miracles, but that didn't prove deity. We're talking about good works here, and that's, that's the key here. And so he says, I must work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So we're talking about, he's now talking about light. Something that this poor man, born blind, had never, ever experienced. He had never seen light. Except in just a few moments. Notice what it says in verse 6. He says, And, he said, and um, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Uh, there was a time about, what, about 4,000 years before this that the Lord knelt down and got dust together, but he made a complete human being at that time, Adam. And here he anoints his his eyes with the clay. and verse 7, he said to him, go wash in the, the pool Siloam, which is uh, translated sent. So he went and washed and came back saying, how did he get to the pool? <laughs> it doesn't say. It didn't say that he was looking around. He said, uh, can someone please show me where the pool Siloam was? We don't know. Maybe he just knew. I, we don't know. But he did make it there. Now, this is an exercise of faith. You got it? Because if someone came and spat in the ground and threw some mud in my eye uh, and then said, well, you need to go wash it. I mean, do you, you understand the setting here? He listened to the voice. 
He obeyed the voice, and as the result, he was healed. And as we listen to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what happened to us. We listened to the gospel. We heard that we were sinners, that Christ came down from heaven and died on Calvary's cross, having his hands and his feet nailed to that cross. He shed that blood. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no taking or removing of sin. And by faith, because no one in this room, including myself, have ever seen physically the Lord Jesus. So we all, those of you and I who have been saved, we got saved by faith. We listened to the voice, we listened to God's word, and we just simply obeyed it. And that's exactly what this man did. He just simply obeyed. And so what happened, of course, we know. And um, verse 8, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had uh, uh, seen that he was blind said, is this not the one who sat and begged? Some said, oh, it's he. Others said, it's like him. And he says, I am he. <laughs> Therefore they said to him, who, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go uh, to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he says, I do not know. And they brought him um, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, why would they do that? Who, you know, just leave the guy alone. He's got a sight. Let him go and get a job and, you know, let him do his own thing. But uh, there was a problem here. And here's the problem. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus had made the clay and opened up the eyes. According to their traditions... Jesus had performed a, a work on the Sabbath, which was a no-no. And so the Pharisees also asked him, <clears throat> again, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Pretty simple. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him, them saying, <clears throat> is this your son? Who you, may, uh, uh, who you say was born blind, how then does he see now, or now see? His parents answered them and said, We know this is our son, and that he was born blind, but, but why, what means he now sees, we do not know. <clears throat> or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. And... His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. So they were afraid, and so they just simply said, well, you know, he's of age, you ask him. And they wanted to kind of get out of the situation. 
Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was born blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. This really reveals to us what the state of heart was of these Pharisees. That they had already agreed, they had already made that decision that Christ was not the Messiah. So when a person is convinced like this, and of course we're going to see that in just a little bit, that there is no amount of proof that's going to change their mind. He answered and said in verse 25, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. He says, <laughs> you know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I, I know one thing, I know now that I see. And you guys, in talking to the Pharisees, and you're going to have to deal with that. And he, um, then verse 26, and they said to him again, what did he do to you? They, you know, they were just re- going over this and over and over and over because they, they were blind. They were now were the blind people. And he answered them. He says, I told you already, and you did not listen. Wow. Okay, he's talking to the leaders, the self-appointed leaders, as we'll find out later in the chapter and, and in chapter 10. These were self-appointed leaders of Israel. And uh, he, was, he was coming at them pretty strong. He says, you guys aren't listening. And uh, was he afraid to be tossed out of the synagogue? Out of the temple? Um, apparently not. And he says, why, verse 27, why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? That's the key to the whole situation here. When you give the gospel over and over and over to a person and they reject it, it's not because there's a lack of proof, the Bible. That's not the key. The key is there's the lack of faith. Uh, Gary and I were talking about a a friend he brought up to uh, Yosemite uh, that is unsaved. And he's heard the gospel over and over and over again. His wife's a Christian. And so he's heard the gospel so many times, but he has already made up his mind, at least right now, we pray that the mind will be changed, that uh, he's not going to accept Christ. And so when you share the gospel with someone, it is not our responsibility to change their mind. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to give them the gospel. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to work on their heart and convince them that they're sinners. And until a person is convinced that they're a sinner, they can't get saved. Period. For example, we all, let's say we're out on a boat and we're fishing and a rogue wave comes by and hits the side of the boat 
and you're flushed over the side. I mean, you're in the cold, icy cold water, and uh, you're, you're, you know, treading water. And uh, I quickly go over to the, the railing and grab one of those lifesavers with a rope attached, and I throw it out to you in the water. And you push it away saying, I'm okay, I think I can, uh, I can swim to shore a couple miles away. You go, what? What are you doing? You need, you need to grab that life. You need to get out of the water. No, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. So if a person feels that they're okay, that they're not a sinner, you, they can't get saved. The only way a person can get saved is they come to the realization that they're lost. You know, the one qualification for a person to get into heaven is this. You have to be a sinner. You have to be a sinner. We, um, we read in uh, the book of Luke that the Lord didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think it's Luke 19, 10. That's who he came to call. I mean, how many of you, how many of you get up in the morning and you're feeling pretty good and you say, you know what? I think I'm going to go to the doctor today and think, I think I'll have my spleen removed, my uh, gallbladder, uh, my tonsils, you know, and I'll, I think I'll do that. No, nope, people don't do that. You don't go to the doctors generally, you know, you go for a regular checkup, but I mean, generally you don't go to a doctor unless you know that there's something wrong. And a person will not come to the Lord Jesus and receive him as their Savior unless they realize that they're wrong, that there's something wrong in their life. And that's what the, the Lord uh, told those very religious men in uh, Luke 13, 3. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So just remember that as you're sharing the gospel with someone. Until they get to the point that they realize that they're lost, they can't get saved. If they think they're good, oh, I'm, I'm better than that other person. Well, you might be, but are you better than God? Because God's standard is perfection. And we all fall short of that perfection for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. So here we go. Verse 28. And of course, at the end of verse 27, he, he basically hit it on the nail on the head. He said, uh, if I tell you again or again and again and again, then you'll be convinced that Jesus is the Christ and you'll accept him and you'll become one of those disciples. And they're going, no way, uh-uh, no. That's, that's totally out of the question. And verse 28, and they reviled him and said, you are his disciple. Has anybody ever picked you out of the crowd and said, man, that, that person's got to be a Christian because of the way they talk. And they came to the conclusion, now you got to understand something, he wasn't a Christian yet, but he sure was talking like one. You could see, you could see that, that, that light in his heart that he was very close to being saved. But do people see in us God? Do they see in us Christ, a likeness? Or are we, do we kind of just blend in? Are we just kind of like everybody else? We talk the same way, we go to the same places, we watch the same movies, uh, we have the same bad habits, and then when we come and we try to share the, uh, the gospel with them, they're going, who are you? What, are you? what are you trying to tell me about being a Christian? Look at you. I mean, you're no better than me. 
But they could see in this man that there was a difference. And so he says, you're his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple, which they really weren't, but they thought they were. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvelous thing. I like, <laughs> I like how he responds to the Pharisees. The guy's bold. He says, man, this is, a, this is incredible that you do not know where he's from. Yet, he opened my eyes. What, uh, what a commentary on, on their, their lives. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if any, well, does, is that true? Is it, they said that God doesn't hear sinners? I think that's false. God does hear sinners. But what does he hear from sinners? Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. And that's the one prayer that God will always answer in the affirmative every single time. When a person by faith looks to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. I deserve to spend the rest of eternity in hell. Would you save me? And he'll always re reply. He'll always answer, yes. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out, says in John. Now, if anyone is a worshiper of God, verse 31, and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of the one who has been born blind. Now we look back in the Old Testament, and we see, man, we, we see people like Elisha. Elisha healed Naaman of his uh, leprosy. Uh, he raised the, the, um, uh, the boy, um, uh, the, the woman of Shuman, uh, her son, who, who probably had a, a brain aneurysm in the field when he was working with his dad. And Elisha came back and, and raised him from the dead. So there's been miracles, but nothing has been recorded in the Old Testament of anybody opening the eyes of someone who was born blind. So this man knew his scriptures, didn't he? He knew them real well. That's why he was able to tell these Pharisees that, uh, that he was giving them a history lesson. And you can imagine what they were, how they felt. They were burning a lot. They were so mad because, you know, who, who are you? Did you? You're teaching us? You, don't you understand we're Pharisees? We, we know it all? We got all the answers? And yet he said, this is an amazing thing. You don't even know where he's from. You can't say you know it all. You don't even know where this man's from. Boy, what a conviction that uh, the Lord was using through this blind, uh, formerly blind man to convict these Pharisees, but that wasn't going to be the case. If this man, verse 33, were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. And you're teaching us. 
And notice what they did. Verse 34, at the very end, they cast him out. Now, we're going to read further on. I, we're not going to get to it this morning, but in this evening. And we're going to find out what a true shepherd does. A true shepherd does not cast people out. What does a true shepherd do? He leads them out. That's why these people were not true shepherds. They were hirelings. They were paid. We see a lot of that today in, in Christendom. I, I will, quote unquote, preach all these sermons and I'll be your, your pastor or your elder or whatever. I will do that if you give me so much money. We'll, we'll do a little contract. We'll sign it down here. And that's what you're going to do for me. And um, I will do this, you know, whatever length of the contract is, uh, until I get a better deal <laughs> at another church. And then uh, the Lord will uh, lead me there, you know. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how they work. Um, and we see it time and time again. All of a sudden, a pastor, he's up and he's gone. Why? Well, he got a, he got a better deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So, notice that they, and they cast him out. And verse 35, and Jesus heard that they had cast him out. What, what a tremendous truth that is. Does the Lord know that someone's been cast out? Does, someone, does the Lord know that someone's lost? Absolutely. And what did he do? He found him. How did he find him? He went looking for him. You know, the parable of the, the, the lost sheep? Well, the Lord was right there, and he found this man. And he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Now, here's where faith comes in. I mean, it comes to its, its fruition, its, its maturity. He answered and said, who is he, Lord? Actually, in that particular situation, it's actually like, sir, that I may believe in him. See, he had the desire. He was looking for the Messiah. And he knew the Old Testament scriptures. He just quoted it to the, um, uh, to the Pharisees. He knew the scriptures that, that he's going to restore the, the sight to the blind. We read that in Isaiah. And so, who is this? I, I'm looking for him. I, I want to meet him. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he, and it is he who is talking to you. The same thing he said in John chapter 4 to a woman that was sitting at the well. She says, oh, we, we know the Messiah is coming. And when he's coming, he's going to reveal all the truth to us. And Jesus says, the person that's speaking to you is he. Same thing. Same exact thing. Then he said, Lord, I believe. He didn't go through a big, long uh, prayer or anything like that. You know, he just simply said, Lord, I believe. One of the, one of the shortest recording uh, 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 prayers that's been recorded. Lord, I believe. And notice the first thing that he does. And he worshiped him. This 
is one of the best verses that you can share with the people that come to you on their 10-speed bikes. It's not 10-speed anymore. They use mountain bikes. But they come to your door, and they knock on the door, and they say, we want to give you literature um, about um, this, uh, this book. Uh, or, uh, you know, Jehovah's Witness or Mormons or whatever. Point out this verse to them. Because if you go into Hebrews, it says, let all the angels of God worship him. That's another verse. But in, you go back to Isaiah uh, chapter 40, it said, you're to worship only the Lord your God. And they'll agree with you on that. And then just say, notice what he, what he did. He worshiped him. Who's him? Jesus. What was Jesus' response? Hey, don't, don't worship me because I'm just a mere man. No. He received worship from this formerly blind man. And so that is proof right there. Uh, you know, in the back of your Bible, I don't know if you do it. I, I've got a few notes here. Just the proofs of deity, just verses, boom, 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 boom. Put this one down. This is a great verse to share. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who, may, uh, those who see may be made blind. And you think, what? what is he talking about here? Well, he's saying... For judgment, you said, no, wait a minute. Doesn't he say, uh, John 3, 17, I, I didn't come into the... Let's take a look at that. John 3, I want to make sure I quote it correctly. John chapter 3, verse 17. <clears throat> For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so you say, well, is this a contradiction? No, it's not. This is not a contradiction to that verse. What he's basically saying, he was saying that those who don't, uh, it says here that those who do not see may see. In other words, if you admit to God, Lord, Lord, I can't see. I'm blind. I'm a sinner. I realize that my, my eyes are blinded by sin. To those people that admit their, their condition of blindness, he says, you can be saved. You have the opportunity to be saved. But to the other person who says, hey, I see. I'm, I'm okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with me. Those people will be blinded. You might have heard the story that I've mentioned before. Um, a particular small town had an, uh, an enormously large population of little uh, uh, children that were handicapped. And so they decided to put on a big fete, a big, a big party for those that were handicapped. And so it was advertised all over the place, and the day came, and, the, and it was at the Civic Center, <clears throat> and they had games, they had prizes, they had food, they had music, and they had, it was just everything. And here comes the handicapped children, wheelchairs, uh, on crutches, some with terminal cancer. All of them that, had, that were diseased and, and that were uh, handicapped in some way or shape, 
uh, they came to this party, and um, they were having such a great time. You could hear from the, the street, you could hear the, the screams of joy and excitement from these kids that were having a blast at this party. Well, a cop was coming by in his cruiser, and he looked over there, and here on the steps was a little boy. And he was sitting on the steps, and his head was in his hands, and he was crying. He was sobbing. And so the police thought, oh, man, he, maybe he's lost. So he pulls the cruiser over, and he comes up to the little boy, and he says, excuse me, what, what's the matter? Are you lost? He says, no. He says, well, why are you crying? He says, well, they won't let me in, the party. Why not? He says, because there's nothing wrong with me. You know? Why isn't God going to let people into heaven? Because there's nothing wrong with them. They haven't admitted that they're sinners. And that's what's going to keep people out of, of heaven. And so as we finish up here, <clears throat> uh, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment... That, they may, uh, that, the, that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to him, If you were blind, notice what he says here. This is really, really good. If you were blind, you would have no sin. In other words, if you were blind, if you realize that you were blind, you would have the opportunity of having your sins removed. Okay? But he says now, but now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. What is the worst sin? I talk to this, I talk to this uh, with kids all the time. What's the worst sin? Oh, it's murder. Oh, it's stealing or it's lying or using the Lord's name in vain. Those are all, those are all sins. But the absolute worst sin that a human being can commit is what? The sin of rejecting the only way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what did we learn this morning looking at this right here? Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Those of us who are saved, we're to walk each day by faith, not by sight. Don't get into that trap. We all fall into it. I, I do. You know, I want to get all my finances lined up. Man, I gotta be, you know, everything's got to be right. And now I, now I feel good. Now, now I can kind of do the Lord. No. Am I supposed to be financially responsible? Yes. We're supposed to be stewards of God's, of God's uh, money. But if you are not going to do God's will because you think you have to have it all up front then you're not walking by faith, you're walking by sight. And that's something that doesn't please God. So as we get up each morning, the prayer that we should all pray, and I try to remind myself to do this every morning, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today. I have no idea what you have in line for me. But I trust you. And I want to follow your will today. Would you guide me? Because see, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, he says he wants to guide you with his eye. Isn't that great? 
He wants to guide you with his eye. You know, if I'm at the dinner table when I was a little kid and I'm starting to misbehave, what is the first thing, you know, my dad, what, would, what do you think the first thing he did? Did he pick up his plate and throw it at me? No. What's the first thing he does? He looks at me. <laughs> and right then, okay, all right, yeah, I got it. He wants to guide you with his eye. And then he wants to, and then if that doesn't work, then he, uh, because of my stubbornness, he has to talk to me. And God talks to us through his word. And again, it's not to, to bash us or anything. He wants to guide us in the correct way through his word. And to do that, we've got to read his word. We have to be in it daily. But then, if he doesn't do that, then he has to sometimes put his hand upon a person. And then sometimes, if that doesn't work, he has to put you to bed. And as we read in 1 Corinthians 11, sometimes it's permanently. But the Lord is a God of love. He is a God of long-suffering. He's a God of mercy. And because of that, he wants to guide us by his eye. We want to walk by faith and not by sight. What a tremendous story of this man who was born blind and met the Savior that day and put his faith and trust in him. And he then became a worshiper. What, is, what does it mean to worship God? It means to focus everything on him, not on me. He, said, he didn't come to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, I'm the blind guy. Remember me? No, no. He just, when you worship someone, your focus is totally on that person and not on yourself. And that's exactly what he did, the first act that he did after he got saved. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for telling us of this incident in this man's life, the one that was born blind. Oh, Father, he came and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, when the Lord gave him his sight and he worshiped him. And, Father, it resulted in him being thrown out of the temple, which was a very severe thing in the life of a Jewish person. But he was willing to be associated with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that the words spoken this morning that were of the flesh, that uh, they will totally and completely be forgotten. But the words that, Father, you have revealed to us through your word, that we'll remember them, that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And that without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please you. Father, my prayer this morning for the saints here in this room is that they will walk by faith on a daily basis, step by step. And Father, if it's the situation that there might be someone here this morning who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they will realize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Oh, Father, may your spirit uh, be with us as we continue on in your son's worthy and precious name. Amen.